This is Glasgow Crime Stories. We dive into crime of the city's past in short episodes you can listen to anytime, anywhere. It's been known by many names. The Bar El, Bar Hell, Glasgow's Alcatraz, The Big Hoose, or simply HMP Berlini. Over the past 140 years, hundreds of thousands of offenders from shoplifters to serial killers, have been incarcerated within its walls. Previous occupants of this famous imposing Victorian landmark include political activist Tommy Sheridan, ex-Rangers striker Duncan Ferguson, former world boxing champion Scott Harrison, and Dragon's Den star Duncan Bannatyne. Scotland's biggest jail, situated in the Ridray area of the city, hasn't changed much since Queen Victoria was on the throne. The prison houses men who are awaiting trial and charges as serious as murder and convicted inmates who are serving less than four years. A reputation as tough as San Francisco's notorious former Alcatraz prison, it has never been far from controversy and notoriety. Berlini's most high-profile prisoner was the man convicted of the Lockerbie bombing, Abdel Basit al Mohammed al Megrahi. Its most infamous was serial killer Peter Manuel from the village of Birkenshaw in Lanarkshire, executed 64 years ago for the murders of seven people. Notorious gangland figures Arthur Thompson, Paul Ferris, and Walter Norval have all spent time behind the jail's intimidating blackened sandstone facade. After years of neglect, it is expected to finally close its doors in 2026, once a new £300 million replacement is completed. Berlini was designed by Major General Thomas Bernard Collinson, architect and engineer to the Scottish Prison Department, and it was built in the then rural area of Ridry. It was hailed as a revolution in prisoner rehabilitation when it was opened in 1882. Inmates were given their own cells for the first time, and offered classes in baking, blacksmithing and shoemaking. However, in May 2020, Her Majesty's Chief Inspector of Prisons for Scotland, Wendy Sinclair-Gaben, said the jail was no longer fit for purpose after discovering rats in the grounds and cells which had been condemned 25 years ago. Just as shocking was the 1,489 inmates she found incarcerated almost 50% more than Berlini was designed to hold. In 2017, it featured in a grim documentary by former EastEnders star Ross Kent, who, having spent a week inside one of its cells, said, It's a tough place. It's a violent place. People have been killed in there. One of the first inmates in the shiny new jail 138 years ago was 11-year-old schoolboy James Donaghy, Another early prisoner was petty thief Adam Sloan, who, at seven foot seven inches, is Berlini's tallest ever prisoner. The jail's first celebrity inmate was Charging Thunder, a Native American and star of legendary Buffalo Bill's popular Wild West show. Thunder was given 30 days in 1891 after attacking the show's manager for selling valuable artifacts to the Kelvin Grove Museum. Former Dragon's Den star Duncan Bannatyne was given 10 days in the 1970s 
for failure to pay a £10 court fine. Duncan Ferguson, who went on to play for Everton in Newcastle, served 44 days of a three-month sentence for headbutting a Wraith Rovers player in 1994. In 2011, ex-Scottish Socialist MSP Tommy Sheridan was sent to Berlini to serve a three-year term for perjury. Former world featherweight boxing champion Scott Harrison was the prison's most recent high-profile resident. He was released in June 2018, having completed a four-year term imposed in Spain for attacking three men in Malaga. The first person to make a successful escape from Berlini was armed robber John Dobby, who fled in a prison laundry van in 1985, only to be recaptured five days later. However, in its 140-year history, Berlini has never had a female prisoner. Author and former Herald and Times group managing editor Bob Jeffrey wrote a bestseller on Berlini 11 years ago. He says the jail should be turned into a museum and believes it could become a money-spinning tourist attraction like Alcatraz. Bob added, I've been to Alcatraz in San Francisco Bay and it attracts 1.4 million visitors a year. There is no reason why Berlini couldn't be just as successful. People would love to see the cells where all the famous prisoners were kept, as they can at Alcatraz. In many ways, Berlini is just as famous as Edinburgh Castle, with the same fascinating history. You could also use former prisoners to show visitors round, as they do at Alcatraz. A total of ten hangings took place at HMP Berlini between 1947 and 1960. Before then, executions were carried out at nearby Duke Street Prison before the abolition of capital punishment in 1969. John Lyon, 21, was the first to die in Berlin on February 8, 1946 for a gang-related killing, while 39-year-old Patrick Carraher was hanged four weeks later after being found guilty of brutally murdering a young soldier. The famous executioners of the time, Thomas Pierpoint, his son Albert Pierpoint and Harry Allen, all travelled from England to carry them out. Each of the ten condemned men had been convicted of murder. All the executions took place at 8am. As was the custom, the remains of all executed prisoners became the property of the state and were therefore buried in unmarked graves within the walls of the prison. Family and friends were unable ever to visit the plots or pay their respects. In 1997, the old execution chamber in D Hall was dismantled as part of the renovation work. The remains of all the executed prisoners were exhumed for the first time, then reburied elsewhere in the grounds. They will be exhumed and reinterred for a second time before the jail is finally demolished. The last man hanged at Berlini was 19-year-old first offender Anthony Miller, who died on December 22, 1960, for killing a gay man in a robbery, despite a 30,000-name petition appealing for clemency. On the day of his execution, two grim-faced prison officers entered the sparsely furnished cell where he had spent last night. They led the terrified teenager to a room next door, where leather restraints were quickly strapped to his body. There, Britain's then chief executioner, Harry Allen, covered Miller's head with a black cloth bag 
and placed a noose around his neck. A trapdoor beneath his feet was opened with a lever, and the youth dropped to his death. Tony Miller's final plaintive words to Yorkshireman Allen were reputedly, Please, mister, before he was left dangling at the end of a rope. Outside the prison at the time were some police officers, a handful of pressmen waiting for the official announcement, and some curious passers-by. His lawyer, Len Murray, had only practised for three years, but Miller was already his second capital murder crime. Mr Murray retired in 2003 after a glittering career as a criminal lawyer spanning six decades. He told the Glasgow Times, The Miller case took up four months of my life from the day I received a phone call from his father asking me to represent his son. On the day of his execution, I was in my office in West Campbell Street as I didn't want to be at home. It may sound daft, but I was sitting there praying for that boy. Emotionally, Tony Miller's case taxed me more than any other in a 50-year legal career. I never took another capital murder case after that. Miller's execution three days before Christmas marked the beginning of the end for capital punishment. Peter Manuel was executed on July the 11th, 1958, the second last person to be hanged. His death brought to an end a two-year killing spree that had horrified Scotland. Manuel was said to be responsible for as many as nine murders between 1956 and 1958, which left people of all ages, particularly young women, in fear of their lives. At his trial at the High Court in Glasgow in May 1958, he was convicted of seven killings. The Watt family in Burnside near Glasgow, the Smart family in Uddingston, Lanarkshire, and Mount Vernon teenager Isabel Cook. After a last supper of fish, chips, tomatoes and tea, Manuel, then 31, swigged brandy and stepped up to the noose. Turning to the hangman, he was said to have quipped, Turn up the radio, and I'll go quiet. They did, and he met his end to the strains of the song, Tea for Two. Frank McHugh served as a death watch officer whose role was to sit with a condemned prisoner at all times. They would share cups of tea, play games of drafts, and talk about everything apart from the upcoming execution. A lifelong advocate of capital punishment, Mr. McHugh, who died in 2008, said, To sit with a guy who is going to be hanged in the morning is quite an experience. You're saying cheerio to someone who you know won't ever be coming back. That sort of thing didn't bother me. I never lost any sleep. In 1972, Berlini found a more humane way of dealing with Scotland's hard men by opening its controversial special unit. For the first time, prisoners were allowed to wear their own clothes, listen to music in their cells, and have open visiting. Attempts were made to rehabilitate and humanise them through art, literature and drama, until the unit closed in 1994. Its most famous and successful member was murderer-turned-sculptor and novelist Jimmy Boyle. Boyle, who was jailed for life in 1967, for murdering William Babs Rooney, had previously attacked prison officers and staged dirty protests at various jails across Scotland. 
His subsequent rehabilitation, from violent gangster to cultured artist, aroused controversy at the time, and even to this day. Boyle discovered a talent for sculpture and designed the largest concrete sculpture in Europe called Gulliver for the Craig Miller Festival Society in 1976. In 1977, he published his autobiography, A Sense of Freedom, While Behind Bars, which was turned into a TV film starring David Heyman as the killer turned artist. It became a bestseller and told of his life of crime, murder conviction, and eventual rehabilitation in the special unit. In 1980, while still in prison, he married public school-educated psychiatrist Sarah Trevelyan, who had visited him in the special unit after reading his book. Her father, John Trevelyan, was secretary of the British Board of Film Censors, a pillar of the British establishment. Since his release in 1982, Boyle has become a successful commercial artist and property developer and now lives in Morocco. Despite the success of the unit, tensions rose in Berlini in the late 1980s over claims of brutality by prison officers, overcrowding and poor food. On Sunday, January 6, 1987, 50 prisoners from B Hall staged a riot in which large sections of the jail were destroyed or set on fire and three prison officers taken hostage. In shocking scenes shown across the world, one prison officer was paraded on the prison roof with a knife held to his throat, screaming, They're going to kill me! One enduring image was of two rioters standing on chimney pots with their arms outstretched in a crucifix pose. Outside, one protester's wife turned up with a baby in a pushchair and shouted, Please come down, Ronnie. I love you. You're going to get hell. Think of the Waynes, he shouted back. Don't worry about me. Worry about the Waynes. When negotiators ended Scotland's longest prison siege after five days, people wondered at the fact no one had died or been seriously hurt. The riot led to a more relaxed regime, with prisoners eventually allowed TVs in their cells and access to telephones. Even the notorious practice of slopping out, which caused much resentment, was eventually banned. Glaswegian Charles Campbell worked for 15 years as a prison officer at Berlini before retiring on ill health in 2004. Charles, now 63, had previously served for 10 years in the Queen's own Highlanders in trouble spots like Northern Ireland and the Falklands. One thing that the army didn't prepare him for was the overpowering smell that pervaded Berlini at the time, particularly during slopping out. Charles said, Even though I've been retired now for 16 years, I can still feel and taste that smell. Every morning at 6.15am, you had 300 men standing with plastic containers of urine and excrement from the night before. It was degrading for both them and the staff, and the stink was unimaginable. Even when I left in 2004, most of the prison was still slopping out, as very few of the cells had flushing toilets. Any time I brought visitors to Berlini, the first thing they would always notice was the smell left by the slopping out. Charles says that many of the prisoners would wrap their excrement in toilet paper 
and then throw it out of their cell windows into the exercise yard. They called them bombs. Teams of prisoners then had to be sent out each day to clear the mess up. In 2001, Bellini was back in the world stage with the arrival by helicopter of Abdel Basit al-Muhammad al-Megrahi, convicted of the bombing of Pan Am Flight 103 over Lockerbie, which killed 270 people. Megrahi was provided with a £1.5 million purpose-built cell, dubbed Gaddafi's Cafe, situated in the former special unit. It had a private toilet and shower, a TV and kitchen facilities for the Libyan to cook his own halal meals. There was also an exercise area and a room where Megrahi could be visited by human rights officials to make sure he was being treated fairly. The cost at the time of keeping him in solitary confinement was thought to be around £100,000 a year. That, compared to the £18,000 annual cost for a regular prisoner at Berlin. In 2002, Megrahi was visited by Nelson Mandela, who called for a fresh review of his conviction and for him to serve his sentence in a Libyan prison. Mandela himself spent 18 of his 27 years in jail on Robben Island after being locked up by the South African apartheid government. What he thought of the conditions at Berlini compared to Robben Island is not known. However, he did describe Megrahi's imprisonment in Berlini a psychological persecution. Megrahi was later moved to Greenock Prison in 2005 before being sent home to Libya in 2009 on compassionate grounds with terminal cancer. Today, Berlini is the largest prison in Scotland, holding well over a thousand prisoners, although it has a design capacity of 987. There is also a hospital unit with accommodation for 18 prisoners. However, Berlini, like many of its inmates, is living on borrowed time. In 2019, it was announced that the hall was about to close as it was no longer considered fit for purpose. Averaging 8,000 new inmates a year, it was taking far more prisoners than it was originally designed for. Permission was granted by Glasgow City Council in 2000 for a brand new prison for 1,200 inmates near the famous Proven Gasworks in neighbouring Black Hill. It will hold up to 1,500 of the country's most dangerous criminals and will be far removed from the current Victorian jail. There will be ensuite rooms, football pitches, tree-lined paths, a cycle track and classes in astronomy. Though twice the size of Berlin, it will hold a similar number of inmates. Mr Jeffrey concluded, the people who built Berlini were early pioneers of penal reform and better conditions for prisoners. The prison is a vital part of Glasgow and it would be sad to see it demolished. Even in the new prison, there should be some form of museum to preserve the remarkable history of this iconic penal institution. This podcast was brought to you by the Glasgow Times. With a digital subscription, you can access our exclusive, insightful and trustworthy local news from just £2 for two months. We are also currently offering 20% off our annual rate with the code GLASGOPOD22. 
This offers for new subscribers only and is only available with the promotional code given in this podcast. Subscriptions will renew at the standard rates unless cancelled.